Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I believe with every fiber of my being that the course I have set out is the right one for our country and all our people. What has been achieved today is not Brexit. I don't believe this government has negotiated fairly or effectively. Brexit is a lose-lose situation. We have always followed the EU mandate. It is utterly unacceptable to anybody who believes in democracy. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Brexit, The Final Countdown. This week we're coming to you from the Parliamentary Office of Andrew Bridgen, Tory MP for North West Leicestershire. Hello. Hello. Welcome. We hear you're very good on podcasts, so thanks for joining us. Well, that's, uh, I'm sure it's going to be a pleasure. Fabulous. And we're also joined by our senior political correspondent for the Daily Express, Martin Brown. Hello. Hello. We have 22 days to go. We have no deal looming. Is it the imminent end of the Tory party? Dominic Cummings is reigning supreme. There's lots of high drama in the Brexit saga, so let's begin. <laughs> Okay, Andrew Bridgen, how would you assess the last 48 hours in the pursuit for Brexit? Um, It has been um, the same as it's been for the last three years, building up to a crescendo. I think um, the fact that the EU have now more or less formally rejected the deal, but we've still got a lifeline to a deal with uh, Leo Varadkar meeting with the Prime Minister tomorrow. Mm. Um, Anything could still happen, and you will be aware that we've been now told that we're Parliament will be sitting on Saturday the 19th of October for the first time in, what, 37 years? We'll be sitting on a Saturday. So something's going to be happening one way or another uh, when Boris comes back from the European Council meeting. Do you think he's going to go to the summit next week? Because I thought there were rumours that he might boycott it because he's not been met by an overwhelming response to his new deal. Um, I think he'll probably go if he's boycotting it. That means that the uh, the hope of having any sort of deal at all is, is dead and buried. And then we're going back to no deal. No deal rather than an extension. Um, if the EU genuinely thought they could fall back 100% guaranteed on the Surrender Bill, the so-called Ben Act, uh, and that we'd be forced to go for an extension, there would be no way at all maybe talking with us at all because they would be so confident that they're going to get their extension mm. and I think if we end up in that situation it's not going to be a short extension it will be it won't be it won't be the 31st of January the EU will use the fact that if they don't offer the 31st of January under the Ben Act that uh, they can offer another date and the Prime Minister is obliged within 48 hours to accept it if the Ben Act is watertight and sound. Okay, so you still think that the EU are maybe entertaining a deal, even though we had the kind of explosive, if you believe the briefings, conversation with Merkel yesterday on the phone, where she said that, uh, what was the what was the phrase, essentially impossible now or forever to get a deal? Well, if that's the case, then we have to leave without a deal. We're in this situation because the EU decided uh, in negotiations at the beginning with uh, Theresa May that they wanted to sequence the uh, negotiations. So we have to talk about withdrawal and sort all the divorce bill out before we can talk about our future relationship. Um, So they've decided we can't even negotiate about our future relationship that we actually left. Well, then we have to leave and then 
we'll get a deal in the future because they will want to still trade with us. When we leave the European Union, we'll be the, the biggest market for EU goods. 17% of all EU exports will be coming to the UK if they still want to sell them to us. And once we've got our own free trade policy, we can do a free trade deal with America or who else around the world. And if the EU don't want to come to the party, then they'll be losing their billions, hundreds of billions of pounds worth of business they do with us. Okay, so you're, you're no fear on no deal Brexit? It, it could be a little bit uh, bumpy to start with. I mean, what's your definition of bumpy? The problem is that all of our ports, and I've been speaking to them for well over a year, are supremely confident that there won't be any delays on our side of the border in the case of a, a no-deal WTO-style Brexit. However, those all those ports in the UK are, are privately owned, and they're businesses that have got to make a profit and employ people, and they're going to make it work. Whereas, unfortunately, all the, all the ports on the other side of the channel are owned by their governments. And if Mr. Macron decides that he wants to send a civil servant with a clipboard and a pencil to cause delays at uh, Calais, then he can do that. And there'll be as much disruption as the EU want to cause. But all this thought about you know, we'll be short of, uh, of uh, medicines and food. Yeah. It's actually the other way around. And there won't be any delays on our side because we're in charge of our borders. The, the shortage of medicines and food will be could only possibly be exports from the UK. And bear in mind, we're the second biggest pharmaceutical producer after America in the world. Mm. Okay, so HMRC forecasts that a no deal Brexit could cost businesses £3.15 billion in admin costs alone. Not afraid of... Well, look at, well, look at the facts. We leave without a deal. If we did leave without a deal on the 31st of October, we are still under the same regulations as the European Union. Uh, the goods on those vehicles that will be crossing the port will have been produced while we were in the European Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still importing the same goods that we were importing the day before from the European Union under the same rules. What extra checks would you want to have on those goods that you don't have now, since they're all exactly the same as they were the minute before we left the European Union? Mm-hmm. And, and actually, under WTO rules, to place non-tariff barriers, which are extra checks, um, that is... Against, against WTO, it's illegal under WTO rules. And since we're all under exactly the same regulatory exe- regime, importing the same goods as we were the day before, why would you want to have extra checks at that stage? Until we've passed legislation in this House of Commons or the EU have changed their rules and we've diverged, there is no reason for any extra checks at all. It is purely at the discretion of, of the EU governments what mm. checks they put in and what delays they cause. But it will cause them the problems as much as it will cause us. Mm. And, of course, Ireland's the main collateral damage. Whatever damage the EU want to do to our economy by causing delays, it's it's twice as much for the Republic of Ireland's economy. Yeah, I mean, they've said today that it will collapse the UK, so I think they're, they're prepared to cause quite a lot of havoc and send it our way. Well, I seem oh. to remember that uh, some chap in the 1940s tried that in Germany and... Uh, <laughs> blockading us uh, trying to stop our food getting in but it, we managed to survive somehow or other didn't we yeah okay do you think maybe though with the hardening of rhetoric and like take for example that horrible viral image that was circulated by leave means leave yesterday with Angela Merkel and the xenophobic slur do you think us kind of do, do you think we're kind of getting to a point where we're not really like that the e we're kind of making relationships so sour with the eu that uh, a sort of working relationship in the future is less like you know that they're going to be less inclined to no, I, I, I think I think the the problem is that that we we still haven't delivered Brexit, which is why our country is still divided. We've got open wounds; they can only be closed by leaving. And the moment the moment we've left the European Union, we can then negotiate in good faith with 
our, our European allies for a free trade agreement yeah. in, in, in both of our interests. It's hugely in their interest because they sell us, you know, a hundred billion pounds worth of, of goods more than we yeah, sell to we, them. So I mean, bear in mind, you know, 40% of the lorries that are passing from the UK back to the continent every mm. day are empty because they sell us so many more goods. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to need many more checks, are they? They're empty lorries going back across yeah. ac- across the border. But it's certainly in the interest of Germany for us to have some kind of work relationship or a deal because this will impact the German economy massively. 20% of all the cars Quite. produced in so, Germany so are f- exported to the UK. And, and as we know, UK cars are more expensive than they are on the continent. Mm-hmm. So they're actually making about 40% of their worldwide profits under yeah. the UK market. So with them as our kind of key ally, do you think maybe the behaviour stay of sort of leaking the, the private conversation between Boris and Angela Merkel was, well, I think the problem, was slightly... The problem is, in, in the real world, we should get this fantastic free trade deal. But the problem is, the people we're actually trading with, you know, the German motor manufacturers, the French farmers we're buying, and the, the wine growers, you know, the, the Spanish resorts where we go on holiday and spend all our money and keep their economy going... They've given the ability for, to negotiate their trade deals to the, another entity called the EU, and that has a different agenda. The problem with the EU on the withdrawal agreement is if they, they're so scared that they give us half a decent deal, it's such a bad club that they're worried that every other country will just say, well, we're leaving as well and we'll just take the same deal as the UK had. And that's their big fear. I love your, I love listening to people who are so supremely confident about no deal. It makes me feel a bit better about the next 23 days. Well, you have to remember, in life, and, you, and yes. you'll, you'll realise this is, is true, that nothing's ever as good or as bad as you first think it is. Uh, yeah. Life is unfortunately full of mediocrity, so the elements of Project Fear will not be materialised. And all of that was because if you task a civil servant... You know, set out a worst case scenario so we can deal with all these issues no one ever gets is ever going to get sacked or lose their pension <laughs> for, yeah. for for making it seem worse than it is when you avert it he'll be they'll be a hero won't yeah. they but some Didn't of it was really well? scary some of it was really scary like yeah no insulin I mean, you must have some di- diabetics in leicestershire yes and i've spoken to uh, <laughs> various i've spoken to various uh uh, NHS providers and uh, they've actually discovered that they can buy it far cheaper from the USA than from Europe anyway now okay. so it's actually going to save an awful lot of money okay. they should have actually been securing their supply lines and actually procuring rather better are you worried because obviously us having a great trade deal with the US probably does well Nancy Pelosi's made it very clear that that will depend on us respecting the Good Friday Agreement we saw Bonnie Greer on Question Time last week. She went viral talking ah, about. I mean, we love uh, that. Well, I, love I know you're a big Bonnie Greer fan, so we we can't p- annoy them too much, can we? Because we but want they, the-, the same the same siren voices uh, who are, uh, are warning us from the US about this. I mean, if you actually look at the original withdrawal agreement negotiated with Theresa May and the backstop, which would have changed the status of uh, Northern Ireland drastically in relationship to the rest of the UK that was clearly in breach of the Good Friday Agreement because the Good Friday Agreement says there can be no uh, alteration of the relationship between Northern Ireland as part of the UK without the agreement of the people of Northern Ireland. That was clearly not given. The original withdrawal agreement was in breach of the Good Friday Agreement and uh, I didn't hear those siren voices screaming about that. And as the EU said in an interview on Newsnight, uh, one of their MEPs, was it it Brock, Um, he said that the, uh, the European Union... We don't really care about the Good Friday Agreement. Oh what do you make of the latest today, the latest concession from the EU on Northern Ireland, um, <coughs> suggesting that they could stay in the customs union for an unspecified time, kind of an unspecified time limit on a backstop? The, 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 problem, um, the problem for uh, the EU is 
that despite what everybody thinks, they're desperately worried that the moment we're out of the European Union, if Northern Ireland has access to those free trade deals, we'll do a free trade deal with the USA, which I think we will. Um, the USA is the Republic of Ireland's biggest trading partner, will be the second biggest trading partner. And of course, because the Republic of Ireland remain in the European Union, they won't be able to be part of that free trade agreement. And that's going to cause a lot of problems uh, in Ireland. If you actually look at it... Um, I still think that the Republic of Ireland will be the next country to leave the European Union after us, despite all of what? this. What? Why? And I'll give you the reasons. Tell us. So we'll have a free trade deal with America, which will be, they won't be able to join in, which is going to be desperately uncomfortable for them, with the US being their biggest trading partner. Um, the uh, Republic of Ireland have, have done very well since the huge crash in 2008. They've dropped their corporation tax to, I think, is it around about 10%. Mm. Uh, well, the EU want tax harmonisation at 35%. That's going to cause the Irish economy a huge problem. Uh, I would suggest that a lot of companies' headquarters like Google and Amazon will relocate to the UK, which will be a, a, lower, econo a lower tax economy for corporation tax purposes. Um, it, Ireland will be the only English-speaking nation left in the EU. It's 1% of their population. It will have very little voting power without being allied with us as their ally in the EU. Um, it's out in the Atlantic. It doesn't border another EU state, and its two biggest trading partners, the USA and UK, will be outside uh, the European Union, the single market, and the customs union. On top of that, Ireland is a neutral country. The European army causes major stresses to their constitution. They're going to have to have a referendum to change their constitution to allow them to take part in the European army. These are many problems coming down the road for... Uh, the Republic of Ireland and their relationship with the European Union. And as we know, historically, they've not been against voting against various uh, <laughs> various things that the European Union wanted to do. So public opinion can change very quickly. If we make half a fist of, uh, of Brexit, and especially if we've got that free trade deal with the USA, I would still predict that the Republic of Ireland will be the next country to leave, and the EU know this. And when, when do you reckon that will be? Um, it, it, I think this... Public opinion in Ireland will, will shift as soon as, as 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 we've left and got that free trade deal and shown that there is a prosperous life outside the European Union. We're not leaving Europe. I've just actually done RTE radio this morning. I gave them some reassurance that, you know, at the end of the day, we, you know, companies in different countries don't trade with each other because governments tell them to. They, they do it because it's convenient, it's the right goods, the right price. And we will get if we don't if we leave without a deal, we'll get a deal pretty quickly. Um, and just like bringing our country back together uh, post Brexit, we will be able to unite the country and, and move forward together once we've lanced the boil that is Brexit and we've actually left. Exactly the same with our relationship with our European allies. You know, we're, we're still the number one um, military force in Europe. We major player in, in, in NATO, which has you know, protected the security of the whole of Europe since, for the last 70 years. Um, how watertight is the Ben, ben Act, and uh, what, what ways do you think you can get around it, or the government can get around it? Well, I'm no lawyer, uh, thank goodness, um, but um, those who are in Parliament have told me that uh, the Ben Act is not watertight. It was also diminished somewhat by the inclusion of the Kinnock Amendment, Mm -hmm. and that there may be sort of a, a, a discrepancy between Article 50, which is EU law, uh, and the Ben Act as amended. Um, 
obviously, while we're in the European Union, uh, unfortunately, as we know, uh, EU law is supreme over our domestic legislation. I wouldn't be surprised if the Prime Minister doesn't take that issue to the Supreme Court, since they appear to be ruling on all matters supreme in our country now, and and, and stick it on them to decide um, making the case that we should be able to leave without a deal on the 31st of October. And if, if Chancellor Merkel has written off the chance of ever having a deal... What is the point of another extension? Totally plausible. Or alternatively, the Supreme Court can't, don't side with uh, Boris and in the government and, and say that we that the Ben Act stands and we do have to request well, an extension. Case, well, then there's an election, no? Well, we are in a situation where we can't have a general election because we're stuck in the anachronism, which is the Fixed Term Parliament Act. Uh, that was brought in in 2010 to secure the tenure of the coalition government while we sorted out the huge economic mess we inherited from the, the previous Labour regime. Um, that legislation should have had a, a sunset clause in it, which meant that the moment the coalition was over, it was gone. It has altered our constitution. So we're in a situation where the government's lost its majority. In normal times, without the Fixed-Term Parliament Act, we'd have just Prime Minister would have called a general election and we'd have gone to the country. Jeremy Corbyn had called for a general election every day for two years, but he's got more than one eye, I think, uh, on the opinion polls, which show that he's probably 10 to 15 points behind us and will lose. And now suddenly he doesn't want uh, a general uh, election at all. So the problem is I can't see anything that Jeremy Corbyn's going to do um, that's actually going to lift his polling figures to make him ever want to vote for a general election. Well, he, I could, think he what, could prevent a note. He could. He, he. The whole point is that he'll have an election if you guys agree to an extension and we rule out a no deal Brexit. Because for everyone that wants a no deal Brexit, there were quite a few people who wanted to stay in the EU completely. Well, if if the Ben Act is 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 watertight. Um, and we have to ask for an extension. I don't think it'll be the Prime Minister that asks for it. I think he will go to the Supreme Court. I think they will get a lot of... It's, it's all going to be about the blame game and who the public uh, think is responsible uh, for these laws. I think any reasonable person who follows the news at all will think that the Prime Minister has done everything he possibly can to try and get us out with or without a deal on the 31st of October. If we're frustrated by the Supreme Court... Um, Maybe, maybe then we're going to get a general election. I think it's be hard for Corbyn to um, to resist that, and I think there's a growing demand in the public out there for uh, um, a say on this Parliament. I've been saying for two years you won't get Brexit through this Parliament because it's dominated by Remainers and Boris Johnson becoming Prime Minister. Thank goodness. A promise who's determined to get us out has merely flushed them out, and unfortunately, there there are a number of them who were hiding hiding in the Conservative Party. They're in your cabinet, maybe no longer in the Conservative Party. Yeah, Um, I think we I think we will be going if we haven't left and we're forced to seek an extension. I think as uh, probably Dominic Cummings indicated in that uh, briefing from Number Ten that we will be standing on a a mandate of no deal, no further negotiation. That will neutralise the Brexit Party's vote. Um, but anyone who thinks that, you know, even if we had a pact with the Brexit Party, all those votes will come to us, I think you're living in... in you were keen on a Brexit Party I, I'm, pact. I, I'm, I'm keen on, on talking with them. I think, but we can't do that now, because the reason that 
Jeremy Corbyn won't give us a general election is because we're too far ahead in the polls. If we did a pact now with the <laughs> Brexit party, we'd be even further ahead in the polls, yeah. even less likely. You know, the, the Labour turkeys are not voting for Christmas. This parliament has got a lot to answer for. Um, and, you know, we have elections so that we can all be judged by our own electorate. We, we stand on what we've said, what we've done and the way we've voted uh, since the last general election. And uh, two thirds of constituencies voted to leave and two thirds of MPs in here have voted to stop Brexit. We've got a parliament that's completely out of touch with the people. There's huge frustration out there. And I think we'll have a lot of uh, hopefully have a lot of changes uh, in our parliament and its makeup. And I think Boris Johnson could win a handsome majority. Is there um, how much angst is there within the, the Tory party at the moment over this no deal election platform from the, the supposed Cummings um, briefing? There's talk of five ministers, Matt Hancock, Nicky Morgan and co. Um, I don't. And, and some Tory MPs as well, unhappy at, at, at that suggestion. I don't think that's the case. I think what they're unhappy with, and they've made their protests, and I couldn't understand that from certainly the Attorney General, the Justice Secretary, but, um, Robert Buckland, that there must be no suggestion that the Prime Minister will blatantly break the law, i.e. we don't. We need, may need to establish what the law is, and the law appears to be whatever the Supreme Court decide yeah. is going to be the law. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll always maintain that Boris Johnson did not break the law, despite what his detractors say, when he announced the first prorogation, because the uh, Supreme Court made a new law and set new precedent when they decided that it was illegal. So at that point, he, they had judged he'd broken the law, not when he decided to do it, because they're just making the law up, rather like the Speaker of the House gone, making the rules up as they, yeah, they, they go along. I'm not, a fan, I'm not a fan of him. He's, uh, he's an interesting character. Mm. Um, um, it's fair to say I don't see eye to eye with him because he's actually shorter than I am. <laughs> Uh, and, I, and I am amazed that a man with such short legs can get on so many high horses, but he does, he does, he does. Who would you like to replace him, if you could um, choose? I've just been to a Hustings, actually, with all the candidates, so I'd be interested to hear this. Yeah, who's your... Well, I'm loathe to make a recommendation, but I mean, I did back Boris and he did get in this time, so that perhaps I'm not slipping the black spot of death onto whoever I... Um, I'm going to support Lindsay Hoyle. Uh, he's a Labour MP for Chorley. He's been Deputy Speaker for a long time. I think he's very well balanced. I don't think being Speaker would go to his head, as it may have done to the previous, the, the current incumbent. <laughs> uh, I think he'd be a good advocate. He's well grounded. I think he'd be a good advocate for Parliament at a time when the standing of politics and politicians is taking a real battering. But I do worry that you know, we form a new government with a Conservative majority government after the next election. I, th- I think we may have to curtail the uh, the powers of the speaker because mm-hmm. a lot of it has been based on the fact that they are of good character and uh, they'll do the right thing where what we've seen is that uh, currently speaker burko has basically been able to run roughshod over our constitution and um, change the laws uh, the rules of parliament at a whim and i don't think that that, that sort of uh, un unrestricted power is going to be tolerated in future. I think we're probably going to have to do something about the Supreme Court, maybe go back to the law lord system, because Tony Blair bought the Supreme Court in, or you're going to end up with a Supreme Court, which is rather like the American system, where given its political nature, the candidates to go on it will have to be interviewed and voted on by Parliament, which is another change to our constitution, but that's 
basically a result of their ruling and interference in the sphere of politics. So total constitutional overhaul. Well, I think we, I think we, well, you, would be part. I would rather I, we went back to what we had before because you know, the two things that have, have have altered are a the fixed term Parliament Act that needs to go, uh, and Tony Blair brought in the Supreme Court, which has now interfered with um, the sphere of politics and. You know, as as a politician and someone who stands for election, uh, and I've, I've stood at three elections, this, this, the fourth coming election will be my fourth election. You know, we have to disclose our our financial interests and all sorts of details about where we go and what we do and who we've taken donations from. You know, the the eleven Supreme Court judges they they don't have to declare any of that. I mean, I'm accountable to the country and to the people of North West Leicestershire at an election. Who are the Supreme Court judges answerable to? Mm. Do you do you have any concern, though, that this kind of people versus the um, establishment like rhetoric is, is getting a little out of hand? So, you know, you have other newspapers sort of digging through whether these judges like jazz or have kids that live in France. And do you have any concern? Well, I would just ask of- two simple questions. Is First of all, how many of those judges live outside the M25? Okay. And I wonder how many voted to leave the European Union, I, 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 sus- I very much suspect that the answer is zero to both of those mm. questions. They made a ruling for the whole of the UK, and, and they are, you know, I would say they're, they're a special interest, aren't they? The Tory party, what earth happens to you guys? So, Well, Tory is a pejorative word in the Midlands and the North, a so I, I'm, a, I'm, a I'm a conservative. I'm sorry, and that was, yeah. So what happens... And to the unionist con- party. What happens to the conservative and unionist party? Well, I, if, we, if we go for... Um, if we're forced to extend and Boris is not seen as being the reason that we're not leaving, that he's tried his very best, we go on a ticket of no deal, I think we can't risk... Uh, having people who get into Parliament and then disregard what our manifesto has done. I mean, trust, the public trust is is at an all-time low. I said to Boris when he asked for my support for the leadership election, uh, you know, he said, when it comes to the crunch, can I rely on you, Andrew? I said, well, you know, when it comes to the crunch, Boris, can I rely on you? Mm. And uh, the answer said, Boris, you've got to remember that Following Theresa May and the Chequers agreement, the withdrawal agreement, that disaster, you know, we, if we're really lucky, the electorate will give us a second chance. But there are no third chances in this in this world. And the alternative is we're just pushing voters to Jeremy Corbyn and his Marxist Labour government. You know, that's just a nightmare that I could never live with. So what I think we're going to need to do is, is whatever our manifesto is, and I hope it'll be no deal, no further negotiation, um, we have to get every candidate who wants the nomination to stand as a Conservative to sign up to that, mm. not merely give it a, a, a cursory nod of the head. This will be to sign up that that's what they're standing on. Yeah. And and if they break that pledge when we get into government, then they'd be immediately deselected and, from the Conservative Party. And we wouldn't be sad to say goodbye to a Conservative and Unionist Party that is a kind of slightly broad church that can accommodate a a Nicky Morgan and an Andrew Bridgen and a Mark Francois. Well, unfortunately, very few things are a binary choice, a yes or a no. And you you, you very struggle to get a yes or no answer out of any politician. You'll have Mm. noticed that, won't you? (laughs) But the the referendum was, wasn't it? It was either we either remain in the European Union or we leave. Mm. Well, you know, being in the European Union, it's a bit like being pregnant. You either are or you're not. 
<laughs> and so it, it, it is a binary choice, isn't yeah. it? You can't be in a bit, can we? You can't be in a bit or, or, or out a bit. Yeah. And they talk about compromise because it was 52, you know, 48, but it was 1.3 million votes. Yeah. The biggest political exercise we've ever had. So I'm, I think we should make sure that every candidate who's standing for election as a Conservative at the next election has signed uh, the, the basic top manifesto pledges and most important of all is that they will be voting for no deal and that then will give uh, Brexit party, current Brexit party supporters the confidence to vote Conservative and ensure that we have a majority to follow through. Mm. Okay, final thing, Boris. Yes. You're a big fan. Do does I mean can anything? But does everything bounce off Boris? If, whether it's Jennifer Arcuri being grilled or not grilled by Piers Morgan, or kind of the various scandals that surround Number Ten, do you think that, like he has got this kind of remarkable ability to just kind of power through, and it, it doesn't really seem to to matter to people outside of the M25, especially? Do do you think is there anything he could do that would that would damage his chances? And why do you think he's got this kind of? And the, the only thing that could damage Boris Johnson is if he gets the blame us not leaving the European Union when people will say that I suspect they could end up saying well he's just the same as everybody else while he's got this aura of he's different he's connected with the people and and, and he has got charisma mm. you know yeah he, he's got super, superb charisma uh, he's a people person so have you yeah but that's why my majority <laughs> keeps going up every every time I uh, Every time I stand in North West Asia. The only reason I'm a Member of Parliament is because I didn't get on too well with David Cameron is that my seat in 2010 was the 83rd, 83rd target seat. So it was a no-hope seat. Ah. It never gave me any money, but I'm a local chap. I live in North West Leicestershire, and we had the second biggest swing against Labour in the country and turned 4,500 Labour into 7,500 Conservative. We then went to 11,200 in 2015. <clears throat> and despite Theresa May's best efforts to kamikaze our election in 2070, my majority still went up to 13,300. And I would hope it would go up again. I don't see why why it wouldn't. And, and those are the differences you, you can make in your own area if you work hard and the people believe in you. And one thing that's important is that over this whole Brexit issue, which was the biggest issue, and I led leave for the East Midlands, and I told my constituents, if, if you know, I'll lead the leave campaign, and you've elected me twice with a bigger majority, but if if you don't back me on the referendum in my own seat, I, I really can't carry on being your MP anymore, because on the big issue, we don't agree, do we? Yeah. And I was very relieved when my seat voted 61-39 to leave the European Union. So <laughs> I think it's important that we deliver on what we promise, and you know anybody's going to be upset, whether that's in business, in your social life, or in politics, if you make promises and you, you, don't, believe, you don't believe in them, really, and you don't deliver. Everything's a people business, isn't it? Mm. You know, we, we deal with people every day. Politics is a people business. Business is a people business. Life's a people business. But don't think the people are stupid because they're not. They're not. Mm. Mm. And there are millions of years of evolution. My degree's in genetics and behaviour, by the way. Is it? Yes, from Nottingham University, very close to my home. And <laughs> it's very important that we know when people are telling us the truth. Mm. And I think... Maybe you can't tell whether people are telling you the truth, but what you can tell is if the people speaking to you believe they're telling you the truth. And that comes over on the television all the time, mm. and, and people can tell. Yeah. So we need people standing for the Conservative Party who are actually going to deliver on a manifesto. Mm. Um, and we're having a realignment of politics, yeah. aren't we?
Okay, so what's your forecast? So your predictions are to be trusted because anyone who watched Tories at War on Channel 4 will know that everything you forecast came true. So what's going to happen? I hope. And okay, what you hope and then what you think is going to happen? I think we will have a general election very shortly. No, I don't think we can't carry on like this beyond next May and that's been clear for a long time. I did predict with Howard Generation. I think it will be around about the 5th of December. I think that's as, as near to Christmas as anyone would dare to go. And I hope we can get it over and done with before before Christmas. I think we'll have a Conservative majority government with Boris Johnson leading us. I would put my money on him against Jeremy Corbyn any day of the week. We're certainly going to take a lot of seats in the East Midlands where my where my seat is, I think. The East Midlands are very hard-working people. They're mostly blue-collar, white, working class. They're hard-working. And they've never had anything for nothing in my seat. They're a former coal mining area. And when Jeremy Corbyn, with his North London politics, metropolitan politics, starts promising free things, they're very sceptical because they, they've never had anything for nothing. They've always had to work for it. And they've, they're... They're paying tax, they've probably got two jobs to make ends meet, and they're thinking, well, if he's giving somebody something for nothing, it won't be me that gets it, and I'll be probably paying for it. And I think they've sussed it. So Corbyn, Marxist, far left, really doesn't wash in the East Midlands, and even my remaining Labour voters, they're they're socially conservative. They generally like the Queen and the armed forces, and, and his attitude to those topics doesn't go down well either. Labour are losing ground in the Midlands, and general elections are always, always decided by the Midlands. And I would point out that my seat of North West Leicestershire is the centre of population of the UK. Ashby de la Zouche, I think, is the town that's furthest from the sea in any direction. So if everybody in the UK were to walk yeah. and meet up somewhere, an average walk the shortest distance, you're at the bottom end of my seat in a place called Appleby Magna. Right. Oh my goodness! So we're Middle England. Middle so England, what, what, truly. we're a true bellwether. Yeah. And I would would hope that the Conservative majority would increase again in North West Leicestershire. Yeah. Or at least the BBC. <laughs> well, don't get me on the BBC. <laughs> don't get me on the BBC. It, it does annoy me when the Midlands makes up about twenty percent of all the revenue in mm. in licence fee, and the BBC spend two percent yeah. of their uh, of their revenue in the Midlands, either with their facilities or making programmes about the Midlands. We. We're sort of the flyover states, aren't we? Yeah. Well, we think you're very special. Um, your election, though, does that happen after we leave on the 31st of October, or is that more in the middle of an I think it happens. I think it happens whether we leave or whether we don't And are we leave. leaving or not, Mr Pridgen? Are we leaving? I suspect. When's this going out? That's the question. In a few hours. In a few hours. I suspect <laughs> that Boris will, will take this to the Supreme Court and those... 11 judges will decide whether we can leave without a deal or not because this is going to end up in the courts, whatever happens, isn't it? And that's a, that's a, that's a travesty for democracy mm. and our politics. Yeah. But it's where we are. It's, it sounds like the kind of <clears throat> England in the World Cup final, the last-minute goal, and it goes to VAR, something like that. <laughs> well, all, all negotiations go down to the wire, don't they? I mean, you know, it may be that Mr Varadkar's going to try and pull something out of the hat with Boris tomorrow and take that. And we are sitting, as I said, with Parliament is going to be sitting on Saturday the 19th, the first time since the Falklands War. So these are, these are interesting times. I say this every time I'm on the podcast, but in a, a year of extraordinary weeks, I think ne- the next week to 10 days are going to be very extraordinary. They are, and it's going to come to a crescendo. But I think where the EU have gone wrong, and they've gone wrong consistently, is that they have 
underestimated the resolve of the British public uh, to leave the European Union. I am sensing that a lot of people who voted Remain have told me we must leave now. Uh, there's no way we can stay in. You know, to the extent that you know, staying in now, everything that's been said throughout this withdrawal process would be like returning to a, an abusive relationship. We've been absolute doormat. Uh, of our democracy. We could never argue against anything the EU wanted to do. We know that the EU army is a reality. It isn't a fantasy, um, as, as, as Nick Clegg said it was during the referendum campaign. And we've got a clear choice. We either choose independence and have a sovereign parliament once again, or we assume ourselves into a United States of, of Europe and we lose control of our own armed forces. There's no independent country could ever tolerate that. And I don't think the British people in any stretch of the imagination are ever going to tolerate that. And at the end of the day, if the British people want to leave the European Union, it doesn't matter what I say, it doesn't matter what Boris says, or we do, or Mr Juncker or Mr Barnier, you cannot keep the British people somewhere they don't want to be and they don't want to be in the European Union anymore. Thank you for listening to Brexit The Final Countdown. If you like what you heard, make sure you click subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, you could always leave us a review.